Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. You are listening to Karan Alessandra. Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. Today we are chatting again with Michael Massey. So Michael joined us a couple of episodes ago, and um, you can go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it yet. And he really resonated with us very deeply, and um, we were just very drawn into the things that he has to offer, and So we wanted to see if we could meet with him again and just sort of pick his brains. I have talked to him personally um, a couple of times, and every time I do, I just feel this huge expansion, and um, I feel like a my heart open. And um, so I we really wanted to share that experience with our listeners. And um, so our whole goal with this episode was let's just start talking and see what questions come up, see where the conversation wants to go. And so we literally just kind of said hello and, um, and did a little centering and then pressed record. And um, so, so please enjoy coming along on this ride with us. Um, I hope you enjoy it, and I think you will, as much as we did. Where's the airplane? I'm guessing that's a Sedona airplane. <laughs> it could be a UFO. Or or is it your sleigh, Santa? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be a, that's, an, that's a Sedona plane. Oh, okay. Well, we're honored. Okay. To have a Sedona plane. <laughs> Everyone wants to be a part. Yeah, right. So thank you, Michael, very much. For yeah, it. so good to connect with you again. Yeah, I felt it was too short the latest time. Right. <laughs> right. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you both. Um, I did get a chance to listen to the, listen to the last podcast. It came out. I guess aside from a few sniffles, we'll try and keep those to a dull. <laughs> uh, that's that's human. Yeah, that's right. right. And uh, uh, the thing I was just thinking about is is, um, I guess just the three of us uh, tuning into whatever comes into our hearts, our own minds, and seeing kind of what what we as a triad or our own trinity here uh, may come up with in terms of um, what is uh, pertinent either in our individual lives or within the collective. Yeah. So can I go? Can I go? Yes. <laughs> me, pick me. Um, so one thing that I felt was really begging for attention, um, and this was based off of a conversation that you and I had, Michael, after we did the recording, we talked about your time in Hawaii and that you you talked about how you felt um, 
the need to kind of um, dissolve your identity with your name and and walk. And I found that really fascinating. And Alessandra, I don't want to put you on the spot and we can edit anything that we want. But the reason that, that resonated so much is that you have taken a spiritual name. And I don't know if you want to talk about that at all when Michael's yeah. talking. But Let's explore it. Okay. Yeah. Because it really beautifully flows together. And he didn't know that you'd taken a spiritual name, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, would you, do you feel called to talk about that at all? Your time Which in Hawaii? Which one? first. Michael. <laughs> uh, yes, sure. Uh, now, uh, Michael is my birth name. Uh, and uh, um, and along the way, along the walk, and of course wearing this shirt. And your shirt says, this is the way. (laughs) And he's wearing a Santa hat. (laughs) You lost a beard. Yeah, it had a beard. Yeah, it doesn't go so well with my coffee. (laughs) Maybe it's not... As cold in Sedona as it is here in Sweden, right? <laughs> or in Carmel, <laughs> or in Indiana. We we're not hitting freeze. We're not hitting above freezing today. Ugh. Wow, yeah. you're not going above freezing today. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we're doing better here. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> so, um, what ch- tip typically seems to happen a lot along the journey, along the way? is uh, this wanting to shed uh, personality and ego uh, structures. And that commonly, uh, particularly here in Sedona, many people take on another name. Mm. And what they're doing is they're really, they're trying to break free of all the programming associated with whatever name they've been called throughout their life. And they no longer may resonate with that particular name. And so there's this, you know, and there's a, um, there's even accounts of that in, in the Bible of Saul becoming Paul or mm-hmm. Abram becoming Abraham during these transition points in their life. Now, for me, um, it wasn't so much about changing my name. Uh, when I went to Hawaii, it was this feeling of, uh, or the sense of, uh, of still of shedding my this ego construct entirely, but the way that I did it was to I went on a walkabout where I walked around the island. It's 220 miles, oh. and I noticed that as I'm packing, um, I put together my my backpack was was this it came really down to my ID my driver's license id and the instant that i picked up my id i could it it changed the whole frequency of the experience that was laid forth before me and and then i kind of set it down and i could feel the whole shift in this big kind of wonder world opened up and then I picked up the idea ID again, and whoop, 
and it kind of goes away. And it was just kind of going back and forth. Every time I touch this ID, I'm like, wow, this is in for a different experience. And so I opted to leave. I left my uh, driver's license behind, um, all identifying passports, everything, bank cards, mm. everything. And uh, I packed a bag. I had um, maybe, let's see here, I think I took maybe $100 in cash, if that. Oh, wow. And uh, and I started walking. Mm-hmm. And, and so how long is that journey to traverse? Was it, what'd you say, 240 miles? 20 miles. 220 miles. So I was a little gung-ho at the beginning. So I was just... <laughs> you were marching along. <laughs> so I did uh, 56 miles in the first two days. Wow. So and is that... What is yeah. that in two kilometers? Mar- oh, that's two um, marathons. Yeah. Essentially. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I did a marathon the first day and, and then another... And this would be flat... <laughs> asphalt i'm guessing you're up and down or at least maybe some sand or uh, a little bit up and down and then hiking over some lava fields lava, and yep yeah. yeah, kind of a mix and mash of things and i had a kind of a destination in mind for and uh, uh let's see here uh and and truth is maybe about like a little bit over two days but I remember I disembarked on a, or I embarked, I should say, on a Friday, about three o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, I just walked until maybe about 11 o'clock at night and then just stepped off the side of the road into an old cemetery and slept there. Wow. Woke up early morning, you know. About um, five five thirty or something like that. Kept walking, and uh, uh, kept walking. Then I spent the next night in um, Volcano National wow. Park down there. So this is on the Big Island. On the Big Island. So yep. is this the volcano that erupted uh, last year? I believe so. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, and. Then so the, um, the terrain is a lot different now <laughs> than when you were walking on it. And It'd then be uh, a longer walk now. Yes, I think I did. Yeah, so I did about mm, maybe about seven, eight miles the first day, about 25 the second, about 25 the, the third. Wow. And uh, when I got. So that third night, so now I'm like two, little over two days on the road, um, you know, 50, 55 to 57 miles, somewhere in there. And I arrived at uh, like Turtle Beach, down on the south side of the big island. And I walked out onto the sand. Oh, that last like mile or two to get to that destination was just brutal. But I walked out on the sand and just collapsed and 
and I couldn't move for mm. like two days. Uh. <laughs> so, right. And so I, after that, I say, okay, well, let's, um, let's do this a little more reasonably. Yeah. We covered for a few days uh-huh. and then, then I did basically about eight miles a day. Yeah. Mm. Was, yeah that was, that was more, as much as I wanted to do. And so and then, how long was the journey then? I'm wondering like uh, weeks. Uh, it actually took several months. Yeah. And, uh, I remember my folks reading this book to me called the walk across America. Um, this is maybe, you know, when I was a kid, so talking 35 years ago and a man, he just sets out to walk across America, but he has no idea the types of experiences and then the people that he meets and then the things that happen. And so along the way I met people and then I was invited to, you know, stay mm-hmm. certain places and I was given a condo and a car to stay, um, and was <laughs> overlooking the, the ocean there on, in Kona, um, uh, as I had, had spent, uh, uh, I had spent some time there with, with, uh, it was a mutual friend or it was a friend of a friend. Turns out that he has, you know, bone cancer. Mm-hmm. And so I was helping him through all of that and he had to come back to the States. Oh. So he just gave me his, he just gave me his condo and his car for a few months. <laughs> wow. This makes me think a little bit about, there's a, TV series or documentary, it's called Kindness, um, something Kindness Siri, Kindness Dairy. Have you heard of it? It's on Netflix. I haven't really mm-hmm. tuned into it, but it's kind of the same concept. Someone copied you. Um, <laughs> the, this person is traveling around the world without money, kind of just relying on that people are kind, you, that showing yeah. that, you know, you can rely on people, then you will, people, someone will give you food, someone will give you shelter and what you need to get around yeah. so this is yeah Good yeah I, and i think this is kind of the the crux of it if i take if you take money if you have money with you or something you're putting out a different vibration mm-hmm. when you don't have anything and you actually are really at the mercy of the kindness of others you're actually this is part of the script that is that you're emanating this in the, in your own auric field that, uh, other people then pick up on. And so the, being in kind of that state, this is the whole, the, the wandering wizard kind of a thing was to go forth, go out, be open and available to share what I have with anyone really. And that these exchanges would then occur miraculously and i don't just could i don't know there's any other way to have some of those that type of experience without going to that kind of extreme if you will Mm -hmm. Uh, i remember one segment i had done actually a little bit longer segment that day i think it was and this was towards the end of the journey and I was walking down uh, on my way down to Hilo. So I was coming down uh, the the uh, east side of the island mm-hmm. and south. And my whole journey that stage, I had been able to 
avoid getting rained on at all. Wow. Not that, not that day. Uh, 11 hours, or excuse me, 11 miles I walked that day. And I finally got into this campground. It was after dark, um, drenched wet. Uh, I go up to this, to the little, what do they call them? The little pavilions they have. Oh, like a shelter? Yeah, at the campground. Mm-hmm. And there's a little barbecue pit there. Um, all the wood is wet. Mm. I'm trying to get a fire started. I'm freezing cold. Uh, I've got like out. I got like one small avocado to eat. Oh wow! And and then I'm just trying to get warm. And out of the darkness, all of a sudden at this. This pavilion, there's a there's a little light I had lamp I had set up, and then out of the darkness comes this this local, this Hawaiian, and he's holding this steaming hot plate of rice and bacon wrapped asparagus and red dogs, and he what? says, "I know." He says, "Hey, brother, you want a plate?" Oh and my I look, god! And I. I said, you know, I was incredulous. I'm like, really? And he said, he said, he said, yeah. And I says, I have nothing to offer you. He says, it's nothing is required. This is just a gift. And um, I looked over in the distance and there was a distant pavilion way over there. I could see a few, some little lights going on there. I guess he was there with his family, but he walked out over to me. And I mean, tears started coming <laughs> on my yeah. face. I mean, that was, that's one of the best meals I've ever had. Oh my goodness. This is, you know, I guess about trust, putting out the trust to the universe that. The universe is looking after. Yeah. Well, that's a difficult lesson. (laughs) You know, it's very easy to think you should do it, but then like, oh, but really universe, if I, if I give away this money, then I have nothing. Like (laughs) you need to reassure me first and then I'll do it. Yeah. (laughs) That's it's, not how it works. It's a huge exercise in trust. Um, mm. That, uh, you know, uh, uh, what is that? Uh, Jesus says something about, um, uh, you know, look at the the birds, the air, and, the, and uh, uh, our Father provides for them. How more so is he going to provide for us? Mm. And trusting that is not easy, but when we when we do, boy, it's like, hey, give God a chance. Yeah, give the universe a chance. And how often do we actually give the universe a chance yeah. to provide for us? Uh, and when we're so inclined to just try to run out and take care of it ourselves. And so much of that too, I feel is cultural, you know, I mean, in America at least, and I believe in Sweden too, there's such a value on independence. You know, I mean, we really cherish independence and um, standing on your own two feet. And um, so there's a lot of conditioning there, even, you know, that we've all grown up with 
you know, I don't know, Alessandra, if it's similar in Sweden. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I guess also the material society is like, well, I need all this stuff. Like, absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of hard to exercise trust <laughs> when you yeah. hold on to all your stuff. Yeah. Wait, so let me, okay, because it, it, um, the sound was kind of in and out a little bit there. So, so you were saying that, um, he, so after he gave you the food, he packed yeah. up, he left yep. and packed up and he, um, left dry wood, fire burning dry wood. Yep. So you got to go and slip into the comfort. Yep. Wow. Okay. So now that was, um, that was one of many experiences that I had and the, the, my initial quest, if you will, and it's always helpful if you're, if you're going to just kind of go forth to explore and trust and you're trusting the universe, but it's also helpful to have some objective some goal, some, somewhere you're like, oh, I'm going, I'm shooting for something. It, that's what keeps the motivation going mm -hmm. when you might otherwise give up. And it doesn't matter how long it really takes, or even really if you ultimately get there, but it's what keeps you going along the journey. And so for me, it was, I wanted to camp. I wanted to sleep on the beach next to the ocean with a fire. Okay. And okay. Now I'd already been doing all the firework and fire magic and all that sort of stuff during my, uh, uh, time in Bloomington and, and during my travels around the country, this is my thing is build wherever I go is building a fire. And that's how I connect in. Um, I just kind of referred to it as the, to me, it was the real internet terminal. So let's explore that for just a minute because I'm not sure we've gotten into that before. So you're, you feel, you felt um, that you could connect to source via fire. Is that a good way Absolutely. to say that? Okay. So you Absolutely. would build a fire in the open and then um, feel yes. that a, an opening would happen yes. to, okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. And it was, uh, it was like around the campfires of my people. It was through, there is one flame that has many instances throughout time and space. And through the flame, I'm able to connect through all the ancestors and uh, uh, all the shamans that have ever lived. Fire is how we communicate. Are yeah, you so. able to describe that a little bit? Like, can you, do you feel that you're transported to, is this an appropriate question to ask because there may be some sacredness to it that you don't want to explore. So just be open about that too. But I'm just wondering like practically how that feels for you. Like, do you see, are you still in the time and space that I would be in if I were with you? Or do you feel like you're transported to a different time and space? Do you feel that the ancestors and other shamans come and join you in that time and space? Uh, rare occasion, something like that might happen. Mostly, I'm existing in this time and space. But just like 
I'm in my time and space right now, but now we're linked up with mm-hmm. this site. So it's sort of like we're Skyping. Oh. Okay. Uh-huh. So it's, and so it, the, it begins with the, with the fire is the, the, you know, there's a sacred art to the bringing forth a fire mm-hmm. and, and to uh, creating a fire. And one thing that comes into being is to sit with the fire and acknowledge it, welcome its presence, treat it uh, as the living being that it is. It is conscious as well. It's an elemental force and it has its, it is conscious and not, it's not just, it's not just a chemical reaction. Mm. Yeah. Okay. To see fire that way, uh, is to see then when in that in that practice in that moment then there is um dissolving in the veils between the fire mm-hmm. and myself or the practitioner or the whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. um, then there's a dissolving of the veils of separation until there's a oneness with the fire and that as soon as the, that moment is then reached, there's a remembrance then of who I am, who we are. Mm. No matter what might've transpired fire during the day, ending the day with a fire is like coming back to zero point. Do you get the same experience every time with fire or? Yeah, pretty much. That's amazing. As you're describing that, I can just feel my heart opening. It's like just even you explaining that is like, I don't know if that's if the connection is at the heart center or what, but it was just like wide open. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yay. <laughs> and I just think of, you know, the feeling of, you know, gathering around a fire with people that there is something special about that. Very. And who doesn't like fire? Mm. I mean, it's built into us, mm. right? Yeah. It's not, I mean, you're going to go around and do a little poll and, you know, like somebody's like, oh, yeah. I hate, I hate <laughs> yeah. So stressful <laughs> looking at those flames. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we love fire. It's built into us. And so, this is something that we can add to our daily routine. And, and there's nothing to, at least for me, quite like fire on the earth. Mm. Uh, but mm. fire in any form still carries uh, power and magic and connectivity. And so once, uh, you know, once you kind of build this relationship with fire, you can still you can still bring that into your home if you don't have a fireplace or you don't have a fire pit out back or anything like that by, you know, lighting a candle. I was just going to ask that because a few weeks ago I was just staring at like a candle flame and, you know, it's like blue at the bottom and it's white at the top and you can like really stare at that blue and it's, it's like then the white becomes green and it's really draws you in. And it's very yeah. powerful um, and kind of hypnotizing. 
Very much. Yes. Uh, mesmerizing is another word. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you close your eyes. Right? Sorry, you were saying it's me- mesmerizing. <laughs> but well, then when you close your eyes after you've been staring at it, the white becomes purple and it starts to look like the spiritual eye, you know, like, um, because then there's like white in that purple. And so it's real. And then, I don't know, I was like trying to penetrate the, uh, trying to penetrate that as I was, I don't know, it was kind of, it felt like a shortcut. (laughs) Well, I have a lot of small fires here at home now because it's very dark here in Scandinavia. Sunsets around three, four o'clock and rises around eight, nine in the morning. So to make it cozy, I light a lot of candles. And I kind of always love that about Christmas. It's not only Christmas when you need to light candles, but it's just like, yeah, the atmosphere is just so magical. Mm, I mean, yeah. it's Christmas as well. That that in itself gives good vibes. But mm. yeah. Yeah, you were I, saying. I never really reflected on the meaning behind the fire. Yeah. And the, the, And what we can actually do with it. So one of the things, even if you're lighting... A candle and if you're lighting multiple candles you don't necessarily have to do this with all of them but at least do this with one of them mm-hmm. and to light a candle consciously so you you're here you know you know here i am bringing fire i'm calling fire i'm asking fire it is a magical thing that we can even invoke fire mm-hmm. it, it separates us from the other animals mm. and you know, it is that we have the, the power um, in the, it's like Mowgli says in the, yeah. the power of the red flower. That's the, what the, 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 in the jungle the book. Of, yeah. In the jungle book. I want to so, be like you. <laughs> <laughs> so as we bring the, bring the flame in, then there's the, the, the observation of the flame, which you were talking about there. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing to do is to feel it. So with whatever size fire you have to with your hands, with your fingers, to feel the warmth of the flame. This helps connect through the physical body the, the fire. Mm. Okay, so that we feel, acknowledge its warmth and go, I can feel you. And this helps begin this, this dialogue of communication with the flame and as soon as you can feel it right then you can begin to literally actually play with the flame hmm. and with you wow okay and it it will begin to mirror you and becomes a mirror dance Oof. and this is we know we now are one with the flame and when we're one with the flame fire is the element it's uh, of, of purification so fire can consume negative energies out of our aura it it, it gobbles them up like dry wood so why spend why spend you know good god knows how much time, effort, and energy trying to process all whatever negative energies we might have picked up in our aura, trying to decode them, decipher them. Forget that. Just give yourself to the flame, let the fire 
take care of it. Wow. Okay, sorry, can you repeat that? I spaced out a little bit. So can you give me the instructions again? <laughs> What's the homework? <laughs> okay. We begin with um, we begin with lighting and invoking the flame. Mm -hmm. Observing the flame and feeling the flame. Until mm -hmm. so we become one with the flame and it begins to mirror us. Then from there. We just invite the flame. What we do is you just want to open up your aura field. Open yourself up and just invite the flame and say, you know, whatever. Just give it, give your whole auric field to it. And it'll start to like, like little sparkles. It's just going to start to all the way through your aura. And you can turn yourself around like you're on a little spit. Mm -hmm. And give you you know roast yourself a little bit by the flame and just let it do its work and it'll clear out in front of you it'll clear out all negative energies that you have related to your future and as you turn around it'll clear out that behind you of whatever you're carrying from the past wow. i love this I, I want to go and try it now. I know. I had the same thought. I was like, okay, let's pause. <laughs> can, can we can we do it on the podcast? Um, or maybe that's not suitable. Maybe it's better to It's a little bit of a... Like right now, you two have my attention. Yeah, I have to focus my attention elsewhere. Or I want... It's, it's such a sacred thing to me when I'm yeah. doing it. It's... It's... Yeah, I'm focused everything in on the flame. Yeah. And that's it. Okay. It's homework for us and for any listeners. Cause I think then I, I feel like I started to get there when I was playing around. I mean, I say playing around, but just exploring the candle weeks ago. And um yeah. so I feel like this is helping to navigate like where to take things. So thank you. That's mm. beautiful. Oh, well, you're welcome. So you, sorry. At some time before, I mean, when we kind of first started out on this little adventure, the three of us are actually going, you'd expressed an interest in techniques and things that can greatly accelerate mm -hmm. the, uh, the process of awakening and expansion of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So this, this happens to be one that, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's major acceleration and the um if there's a possibility to experience this it with like a fire pit outside mm -hmm. where you can really feel it you can really feel yourself as you turn yourself around and you let the fire just flow mm -hmm. all the way through your auric field uh, then it becomes easier to do it with a candle Oh right, that, yeah. Okay. So you, you have a you, you have a frame of reference. You you, you can really know what yeah of what it is, okay. and then you can work with it in the, the more microcosm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. just a suggestion, but it. You mean yeah. it's easier to start with a bigger fire? Yes. And outside, preferably. Yes. Now, if you have a gas fireplace inside, is that even a place to start or is that just not? Yeah. Yeah. It's real? not as 
it's not as it it's well at least for me it's not as it's not as a deep connection to okay. the earth so, um but again all fireworks okay so thank you so much for taking us through that and i want to um give you a chance also you you actually started down a different path and i interrupted you to get to that so please take us through you were saying your target the whole you know throughout your journey as you were walking was to light a fire on the beach so can you take us back to that sure i wanted to yeah i wanted to sleep on the sand at you know right by the ocean next to a fire that was the that was the objective now i started off on in um on the near Hilo, Hilo in uh, the Pune district, which is the wet side of the island. So I had to walk out of the wet. That's not a good place to, there's lots of lava out there. So there's few, it's not really a lot of good sandy beaches. So it was a matter of traversing all these lava fields to actually find nice sandy beaches. Then um, was there available firewood around? that beach and if it's nestled in a bunch of lava fields no Mm -hmm. right or if it's on the wet side of the island it's all wet and it doesn't make for good Mm -hmm. fire or if it's an uh an official uh campground then uh there might not be camping allowed overnight camping allowed okay or if there's camping allowed then it's only fires in the approved like barbecue pits. So you can't mm-hmm. do a, mm-hmm. so there was, there was these obstacles. It became a real quest mm-hmm. to, and it took maybe, it took about two months before I finally found it. And that moment, if you care to hear. Oh yeah. Was um, pretty amazing. And so I had, uh, uh, I was sitting in a McDonald's one early one morning and still like going, okay, where am I with, at with this, uh, this quest? And I had a kind of general notion of a certain area that was kind of, I was being drawn to that was north of, of Kona. And I'm, it's about six o'clock in the morning. I'm, drinking my coffee and some random guy sitting next to me starts going on and on and on about this one like little location where there's a bunch of turtles that's uh that was north of Hilo and it was in this like secluded cove thing and something something is like struck a chord I'm like that's it that's where I want to go so I got the I got the little landmarks and everything, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm going. And so I headed out looking to to find this this place. And incidentally, I never did find it. Hmm. I never found the place that he was talking about, but I did find my place on my way to find looking for what he was talking about. Oh. And it took a. Uh, um, it was maybe about 15 miles north of Kona, and then 
uh, just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Then there's a several mile hike across the lava fields. And then it opens up into like big coconut tree grove and a bunch of mesquite uh, trees or um, kiava, as they, which is a cousin in the mesquite. So kiava wood. And I, uh, I hit this, this beach out there and I kind of follow the kind of the, the beach line. I had to kind of sw- skirt out or across this kind of rocks and I kept moving along the coastline until all of a sudden I hit this look completely, totally private beach area right there. And there's maybe, uh, maybe about all this white sand beach with then about 20 yards maybe of tide pools and then the ocean just right there. And I walk out in it and there's this big stone altar that's built there, a fire pit, this perfect little spots all cleared out for uh, my tent and hammock. Oh my and, gosh, I have chills. And I, I immediately just knew I, I was, I found it. And, and I'm just, just awestruck here. And it was like, um, some time long ago, some fisherman or something had used this spot and had just completely dialed it in and then it's been you know abandoned since until waiting for me wow and as i hit this spot what i didn't know is that that 20 yards or so where the tide pool uh, or end in the ocean again is that was a drop off into deep blue and so I woke up to the spot, and as soon as I do, so it was maybe 30 yards away, maybe 10, 15 yards out in the ocean, two humpback whales on the surface. Oh, oh my goodness. And um, I fell down onto the just the sand, and I entered a deep sleep. Like uh, I don't know, like Rumpelstiltskin or something. I, uh, it was one of those things. I just melted right into the earth, and I just fell asleep right there. And I didn't know. I woke up at some point, kind of looked around. I didn't know if it'd been hours or days or wow, however, and. I kind of lifted my head up. I'm like, whoa, and then boom. And then I fell right back into it, just melted right into the island, into the earth and everything. And and slept like I hadn't slept in months, years, maybe my whole life. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And when I woke up, eventually... And um, I made camp and, uh, of course, built a, gather some firewood for the fire. 
as I hadn't even gotten to that point yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whale did me in. And so I, uh, uh, yeah, I made camp, gathered firewood, and started to build a fire. And I look over on this lane against this stone altar was this totally straight piece of kiava wood, which is incredibly hard. And it was a perfect staff hmm. just waiting for me there. And so I took that. I took that staff and, uh, I spent, I just, uh, I spent as much time as I could. I'd have to periodically come back into town just to get some water and a few food supplies. And then I would go back out and I spent my time there, uh, on that magic spot. And, uh, then I learned all about how to create and craft um, and make a staff. And so I did that. And then mm. that staff would, uh, would eventually accompany me on many, many other journeys and um, be, has its own, that's a whole other story in of itself of what that came to be with that staff. Mm. But it was really cool. And right there, by that beach, through that fire, then I connected with the Ali'i and the ancient um, uh, wayfinders. And, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the old priest uh, class of the, uh, of the Native Hawaiians. Well, and that's <laughs> what I was going to... No, yeah. Sorry, say, say that again, because I drowned you out. Yeah, sort of like uh, it was like a Moana type experience, mm. and so they came through amongst other um, other entities being beings, uh, began to come through the fire through that process that I we just described or I just talked about about this making this Skype call, if you will, mm -hmm. and so I learned uh, from them uh, uh, much about the nature and the essence of. Uh, Hula, the, mm -hmm. and what that dance and movement is all about. And I learned um, uh, a lot about uh, enchantment and how to create and work with an object. I say enchantment, but it's how to actually consciously work with something, an object, in order to elevate and raise its consciousness mm -hmm. that is the nature of of how to create what ultimately may become an artifact wow so that's interesting that because i was gonna ask when i started to interrupt you before was if when you were going through these experiences in Hawaii, if you were tapping into the native sources, which it sounds like you were, because Hawaii has its own sort of um, uh, spiritual power and their own kind of gods, for lack of a better word, that's not the right word, but, you know, they honor and name spirits of the volcanoes and the 
waves and that, you know, and they're very, they're very, very sacred sites there that um, I think mm-hmm. a lot of non-Hawa- non-native Hawaiians don't really get and understand. So um, I find it really interesting, you know, you're as a non-native Hawaiian, you know, that you were like just organically tapping into this. And, and what I love about that is the nature of all of it being source, you know, all of it being connected to source and available to true open hearts, you know, which would go, you could say for anything, but you know, you could say it about Catholic saints if you're not Catholic, for instance, or, um, I had a car. We're all the same, and we we might we call it different things, but those who are true to the way recognize it in each other, regardless of beliefs. So beliefs don't separate us. Mm. The truth unites us. Mm-hmm. That's, that's... And yeah, that's what some of the most beautiful experiences I had with the locals, the natives there, because they recognize we know that we were the same. Mm. And yeah, that's the that's the key of what we're here to learn, right? to unite rather than separate but our minds like to separate and analyze and forget the heart tricky little thing (laughs) sorry tricky little thing that yeah yeah but once you get into the heart it doesn't feel so tricky it's just like of course of Mm. course (laughs) but i think that's the way we have Maybe things are shifting now, but I think the way society is structured, it's very easy to end up. I can only speak for my experience here up in the north, Mm. (laughs) in the cold north, in the dark north. Mm. We're very much in our minds and um, there is definitely a lack of that balance of heart and mind. Mm. As Um. an American, I can second that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's only the Western society. I think that is spreading mm. all over. It is global. It, it yeah. 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 Important thing to remember. Yeah. Uh, one, uh, this is true from a biology and physics and science perspective. The first organ that's formed is the heart. Mm. Uh, actually begins to beat before the brain is ever formed. I remember, sorry. Heart, okay, is greater than the field of the brain. So that the mind is nested within the heart. Mm. Not the other way around. And yeah, as soon as we recognize this, okay, we're always in our heart. Even mm. when we're in because the heart is greater than the mind. It's true. I mean, when you... Within the field of, or we get separated, the sense of separation within the overall field of unity, which always is. Hmm. It's always the greater field. That's an exciting thing about when you have a child. I remember I get to listen to Iris Heartbeat. Is it in week six or seven you can start to pick it up? Is it Cara, do you know? Or Michael, you might know as well, <laughs> even though you haven't been pregnant in this life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. 
It's early though. Uh, but I remember it was early because I thought there was something wrong with me and then I figured out I was uh, pregnant. So nothing wrong. <laughs> it was a beautiful life uh, coming to this earth through me. But then they checked, you know, if it was actually becoming alive. And so I think it was around week six or seven and you can kind of start to hear it's kind of, well, it's not in the, it's not a heart, like a physical heart. It's just like, it looks like a little, what is it called? You know, the frog before they come a frog. A tadpole. <laughs> and it's just beating. <laughs> yeah. mm. It's just Tad- beating. We'll see tadpole. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But me... that was like so powerful. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Then, yeah. Just to hear the baby's heartbeat, you know, even when they're like, few weeks old and you hear it's like a galloping horse I don't know that just helped me connect so much with her yeah well I just wanted to add I really like your analogy of the Skype call I'm gonna use that you know when whenever I meet skeptics and well that include myself in the past um you know the fact that we are connecting here from three different places and time zones in the world doesn't seem so strange so to be able to connect with beings that are in another time and space, why would that be strange? Exactly. It's not so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you connect with fire and you're no longer in Hawaii, I'm curious, like, do you still, or if it's even fire, but however you were, when you were connecting and you were having your Moena experiences in that sacred space in Hawaii, are you identifying and connecting with the similar um, spirits that you were connecting with in Hawaii? Does that make sense? Or were they kind of more connected with that physical space? Uh, the Ali'i were more connected with that physical space. But there is okay. another presence that came to me there, which was that of Merlin. And so okay. that's where I... That's where I Merlin. So that's interesting Merlin. because now is this the yeah. same Merlin that is in folklore? Yeah, that one. So okay, yeah. that's fascinating. Because what is yeah, the right? what is the folklore? I I'm not that familiar with Merlin, but I know it from help me. What do I know him from? Yeah. Camelot, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Uh the um, the forging of Excalibur. Okay. The sword and the stone. Yes. And Merlin was the magician. Yeah. So yeah. this is the same Merlin that yeah, was coming that through for you. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of That's blurring here. <laughs> it's just everything's yeah. possible. Yes. Right. That which, you know, that which we call fantasy, be it Harry Potter or Star Wars or anything pretty much from Disney. Um, so these are, it's, it's, they're, it's a big universe mm. and there's many realms. And so in each of the realms, the stories from other realms we get connect. We're still connected through because ultimately we're all one. But they come to us as these 
fantasies, fantasy stories, but they're actually true stories from another realm, if you... Mm. Okay, now they're they're crafted in a way it's sort of like we make a movie we're like making a movie of something that actually really happens somewhere hmm. is that yeah. yeah you know i actually had these thoughts sometimes like i wonder if this you know this story is actually happening somewhere <laughs> they're all thing is happening somewhere that's just and so we think oh do does the does the writer do they are they just sitting there and then just you know just conjuring all this stuff up out of their own imagination? Talk to a writer and they'll say no way. Mm-hmm. They know it. They know that the whole thing is they're they're tuned to a, a certain frequency where they're where the the book the story begins to write itself. They don't know what's going to happen. They they just know the how to connect with their characters in this whatever universe they're connecting through and they're more of transcribing what it is that's mm-hmm. happening. It's not manufactured yeah. out of thin air. Mm. No. I've actually been writing a little bit in my life since I was a child. I always had stories coming to me and two times I've been kind of writing on a book and it really is that process. Like I heard Tom Waits saying at some point he was feeling like this creativity coming and he was like, hey, can you just wait? I'm driving a car here. I I have no piece of paper to write it down. And sometimes I felt like that. You know, I'm just out walking and I I hear this conversation or I see this scenario. It's like, well, I don't know how to write it down now. I need to remember this for later Mm. because I hear, you know, I'm not coming up with it. It's the story coming to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, should I dive into? We were starting off with the spiritual name. Maybe I'll. Oh yes. Go into that. Yeah. Um. Well, why? It just kind of came to me that, as you said, Michael, it's this process of. Um, I've been <laughs> trying to peel off a lot of layers this year, diving deep, <laughs> and uh, you know some point it just felt like this person I am it might be hard for people that are close to me to see but I really don't feel the same I know I remember all the experiences from when I was a child and things I've done and experienced and I'm not you know saying oh I didn't do that or but um the person I am in this body now just feels very very different and especially where I want to go you know the person, persona, Alessandra, is connected to so much, which is not really connected to who I am inside. And uh, yes, we can try and change, but it's also, you know, a lot of people reflect back to you that role and that, you know, that image they have of who is Alessandra. And so it just came from within. I really felt my heart wanted to, like, you know, it, it's time to take a spiritual name. And um, I didn't understand until I got it how big of a shift it was energetically. Yes. And it was a little bit of an identity crisis at first. Like, so uh, what do I call myself? <laughs> mm. But, you know, out in the world, I'm still Alessandra. But then for some people, it's 
just natural now that they call me Jayanti. And um, yeah, it's it really helped me to shift and expand my consciousness because I can step aside from the connection to Alessandra. Hmm. But I'm interested to do this fire right and see if maybe Alessandra is not as big of a problem after that. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's some amazing, some interesting things that happens kind of in this, in this process. And ultimately now some people will be in a situation which, um, where they feel they're must, they're kind of running away from their former name okay and when you can say that uh just like i said the you know the heart is bigger than the mind and the okay that uh alessandra is still connected to gianti or gianti is actually still connected to alessandra but it's a what you're connecting with is a name that 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 encompasses that greater self, that bigger, that sphere, that soul, that higher self that you are. And then Alessandra is one of the children mm. of. So it is, or it's a, it's an outfit that you can mm -hmm. still wear. Mm -hmm. I do resonate a lot with the, chil the child because sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm really in a good state of mind and like, I'm, I feel very expanded, you know, and, it and then i can still see you know the alessandra traits but it's yeah like more like a mother looking at it's like and it also helps in a way before i was very judgmental towards myself and when you have that um mother daughter relationship to yourself it's much more loving and it's like i can accept <laughs> the past um that's a huge, huge step. This is a huge step. There's so many. There's so many uh, that have. They're, they're. You know. Oh my goodness. They, they're 40, 50 years on along the path who haven't figured that out yet. Um, it's astounding. That is such meaning. A haven't figured out that like um, mothering of your own self. Is that what yeah, you? Your own self. The ego itself is the child of the soul. It's not something to be destroyed. Mm. So all of the teachings that talk about ego destruction and all the practices of like ego squashing and elimination and completely destroying the ego will never work. Mm. They will never, they will never, they, it will never lead to ultimately to true enlightenment. Because yeah, it's still trapped in you're still trapped in a dualistic thing where you're at war with yourself mm -hmm. yeah and that's also i mean the yoga teachings that we've been studying it's talking about self-offering you know it's not self-force <laughs> doesn't work that way <laughs> it, it doesn't and so uh what it is is the uh the ego is, is, the, is the child self it's putting it in its proper place so it's been trying to actually drive the ship and, um, but it's not really, it's not meant to do that. Hmm. So it's, uh, it gets 
trying to figure this world out and how to provide. It's not supposed to provide. It's not supposed to drive. It's not supposed to do any of those things. Mm -hmm. It's the child. The parent is the one who knows how to do all that. And the parent actually provides all that for that child. So that child is then free to not have to do all that, that it wasn't never designed and built to do. Then it gets to be the playful little personality that is becomes actually such a of a spice to life that we can delight in in cultivating this relationship with our inner child to give it the things that it loves, which lately for me it's you know my latest gift to my inner child of course is a subscription to Disney Plus. <laughs> the Mandalorian. <laughs> I love Disney movies. I, I I lived in Disney World during my childhood, <laughs> tuning into other worlds. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to say that your gift was your Santa hat and beard. Oh, that's the, yeah, that's. <laughs> Or that's for also, our inner children, Alessandra Gianti. <laughs> I was going to say that I feel like it's such, been such a gift to become a mother physically as well, because it's almost like, <laughs> because our children are often very much alike us, and Iris turns out to be a lot like me, so it's almost like, you know, this, what's going on inside, I can also observe that outside. And, you know, what happens when you try to tell a toddler how to do, <laughs> they do the opposite. Mm. <laughs> and like, I have this every morning right now. It's like, hey, I need to go to work. And it's like, I don't want to work. I'm sick. <clears throat> like, no, you're not <laughs> sick. <laughs> and I'm just being grown up and stressed. And she, one day she told me, mom, you need to be nice. I'm like, okay, I'm not nice. No, you're stressed. I don't want to stress mom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, just cut yeah, right through she, it all. She's a tough teacher, this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know how to, to um, break it to you, but I have a nine-year-old daughter who is just as contrary. So you have at least maybe six more years to go of this because... <sighs> Layla will ask me which of two things I prefer in order mm -hmm. to decide which one she wants, which would be the one that I say I, you know, the opposite one that I say I prefer. So if she's holding up two <laughs> outfits, she'll, I'll say which one and then she'll go, okay. And she'll take that one away and use the <laughs> other one <laughs> to the extent that she'll sometimes even go, I think I really like this one. So say that one. <laughs> <laughs> so that she can go against me. So I wish it, it, I wish it stopped at three, but you know, it's all fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see this uh, expanding. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to it. Yes. <laughs> uh, each child has a fun way of individuating, does it not? Right. Yes. Yeah. Let me do a time check. How are you guys doing on time? We're at a kind of a good stopping point. If we're going to go yeah. into another topic, it'd be a whole 
We're then, looking in the, then we're going to oh. do the fire ride, and the next time we connect and see how that went. <laughs> yes, there we go. We've got mm. some homework to work on. Awesome. And do a big New Year's fire. <laughs> yes. Purification. Oh. Well, Throw Merry Christmas. Happy yeah, New Merry Year. Christmas. Happy Day. New Year. Wishing you the best this season um, and on into this next year, 2020. Mm. Uh, New decade. The year of clear sight. Oh, the year. Oh, yeah, 2020. Perfect vision. Mm-hmm. Why is that? 2020 vision? 2020? Mm. You know 2020? Is, it, is this not a Scandinavian thing, Alessandra? I don't think so. Or I have, I have, can I miss it? Okay, when you get your eyes checked at the eye doctor, and they give you a rating, perfect vision is 2020, is what we call 2020. Mm. Oh, okay. So this must be more of an American thing. So it's to do with um, you're 20 feet away from something. And I can't remember where the other 20 comes from. Is it a 20? It means it means you can see at 20 feet what is at 20 feet. Ah, uh, okay. 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 Um, and if you're like 20, 20, 40 vision... It means that you at 20 feet you can uh, you see what actually a, a perfect eye would see at at 40. You can see it, yeah. So like 20, yeah, 2200 means that um, what a perfect eye can see at 200 feet. That's what you see at 20 feet, which is means you're 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 getting close to blind there. Um, okay. So this is something that applies to all human beings. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like a rating system. So it's a way here that we say, like, if you can see something perfectly, I've got 2020 vision. Yeah. Hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I just looked down at uh, I have a big pile of paper here with mine and Iris art stuff. And, you know, the only word I saw is amore infinito. I just thought that was very beautiful when we were talking oh, about this. Infinite yeah. love. Yeah. I wish that for all of you. Yes. All of you. Both of you. <laughs> if this <laughs> comes to the podcast, all of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> From what I'm seeing, um, nothing, nothing is arbitrary. And so as we enter into the year 2020, we will have in this next year more there will be more eyes opened um, on a mass collective within the collective than has ever occurred in the history of oh. this world. So, I look forward to that. Big mm. yay. Yeah. So, time with your families. Blessings be extended to them and um, and uh, to and beyond. Well, thank you so much. Yes, this is such a treat. It's really, really a gift to be able to spend time with you and to share you with um, Mm -hmm. our listeners. So I really, really am so glad we all got together. And I wish you both many blessings for the holidays and everybody. 
Well, Carl, we will see you, see each other soon. Yes. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll do it again sometime. Oh, absolutely. Yes. You have an open We need invitation. to do it. I mean it. We, we'll do a follow-up on the fire thing and see how that went. Yeah. And I feel that we and have, you know, this time we, we went down that path. I know that we have many paths that you can provide insight on. So it's our joy to have you anytime. Well, it's mutual. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Goodbye. All right. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.